Welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. In this episode, Ashley Cox talks to Lisa Jackson about amazing flamingo outfits, and in her own words, Lisa describes herself as the kind of runner who doesn't really like running. You may think differently when you hear that she's completed 108 marathons and two ultra marathons, but Lisa's found a way to enjoy running. She is a cheerleader for the joys of running and is not afraid to finish last, having done so in 20 or so marathons she's completed so far. We've also got Lisa's book, Your Pace or Mine, available on the Outside and Active bookshop. And if you're listening, you can get 10% off with the code LISA at shop.outsideandactive.com. We've got an amazing opportunity for you to win yourself a dry robe advance. Listen to the end of this podcast to see how you can win one of these amazing dry robes. Dry robe is the original outdoor change robe designed to help you get active outside, whatever the weather. A bit like having your own portable changing room, the oversized design of the Dry Robe Advance gives you plenty of space to get changed in and out of a wetsuit or sports kit. It's versatile enough to be worn as a coat or jacket. Made from 100% recycled fabrics, the waterproof and windproof outer protects you from the elements, whilst its super warm inner linings help you dry off quickly after getting out of the water. What people really love about the Dry Robe Advance, though, is its versatility. It's perfect for a huge range of outdoor activities, including surfing, wild swimming, triathlon, paddleboarding, mountain biking, camping, and even walking your dog in torrential rain. To find out more, head over to dryrobe.com. Or to enter the competition to win your very own dry robe advance, head over to outsideandactive.com forward slash dry robe hyphen competition. Sports Tours International provide the opportunity to participate in the world's biggest marathons, take on the most challenging sportives, and watch some of the toughest bike races on the planet. As international travel partner of the six world marathon majors, including TCS New York Marathon, Tokyo Marathon, Boston Marathon, BMW Berlin Marathon, TCS London Marathon, and Bank of America Chicago Marathon, as well as the VIP tour operator of the three Grand Tours and five Monuments of Cycling. They get people of all ages and from all walks of life to the starting line or in prime spectator view. Find the next event to inspire your running at sportstoursinternational.co.uk. It's not just mass participation you can choose either. They also have an exclusive partnership with the world's number one training resort, Club La Santa in Lanzarote, to accommodate anybody looking for training or active holiday at this incredible sports leisure resort. Try your hand at over 500 different activities and enjoy recovery in the sunshine and an array of wellness facilities for all ages, abilities, whether solo, groups, couples, and families. To find out more, head over to clublasanta.co.uk. Lisa Jackson, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your time today um, and agreeing to do this interview with Outside and Active. We are delighted and I can't wait to ask all flamingo shaped questions. <laughs> so shall we start with tell us about the flamingo? I mean, we have to ask the question. It's staring us in the face. Oh, well, um, when I was doing the Comrades Marathon um, in 2009, I was looking for something um, to wear. And my father had said, it's not a carnival race. It's not a fancy dress race. It's a serious race for serious runners. He also told me not to talk in it, which I did for half of it. And I almost didn't finish the race because it was so horrible until I met someone and she carried me through. But at that time, I was trying to take my father's advice. I didn't want to wear some outlandish costume. And I also wanted to look quite beautiful. So I looked through all the hats that I could have, you know, chosen. And they are obviously the frogs and the chickens and the 
cooked Christmas dinners and the, you know, cakes with candles on. And then I found these and they were in America and I bought one for my sister and one for me. They got held up at customs. I ended up paying 40 pounds to release them from, you know, prison. And when I found them, um, originally the hat, the hats actually, the, the wings would flap by pulling on this invisible thread. And sadly, it's seen so much wear now. It's been dunked in pots of water and plonked back on my head to cool me down. Uh, it's seen a lot of wear and tear. And we call it the floppy flamingo now. Like, it's not even, you know, upright anymore. But um, it became it. my signature. And people all around Europe, when I was doing a lot of European marathons, would go, flamingo, flamingo, saw you in Torino. It was really fun. So I got recognized all over the place. And then when I started writing my column for Runner's World, um, I chose to call it the Flamingo Diaries because this hat has seen, you know, a lot of uh, distance. Well, it's made it really easy to find you today. I'm loving the Flamingo. It's a really, really handy tool. So do you want to just tell us, there's not many people who won't know or have heard about you, but do you want to just tell us a little bit about your running journey, who you are, how you got started, what kind of runner you are? Well, I'm the kind of runner who isn't good at running and I'm the kind of runner who doesn't even really like running. Um, I just do running because I know that if I didn't do it, um, I would be a miserable person um, and I'd be a very unhealthy person. So it's the thing I hate the least. Like okay. I've tried everything else in the sun and running I hate least. So I thought, okay, I can do it. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do, um, but I only took it up when I was 30 years old. So I come from a very sporty family um, and I was the odd one out and never did anything sporty. Um, and then I was very lucky that I, I got a marathon place. I got the, a London marathon place because I I was working for a magazine at the time. It was a media place. Uh, so I did my first London. Uh, it took me almost seven hours. I walked half of it. I was in agony. Um, I, I plonked myself down in Horse Guards Parade. My feet were killing me, and I took my socks off, and I thought there'd just be blood spurting out of my trainers. <laughs> and when there wasn't, I was really disappointed. And I said, never again. I looked up at my aunt and my uncle. My aunt had run it with me, and I just said, never again. Hear me now, never again. And, of course, about five days later, it's like, well, maybe I could have run more of it, you know. And um, actually, I just felt so proud because I never believed I could do a marathon. And that started an addiction. And then said, maybe I'll get to five. Um, and when that was, that's a nice round number. And then I thought, oh, there's a few other ones I want to do in Europe, etc. And so I kind of gained momentum. And then my 17th one, I was in Brighton, and it was the Brighton Marathon. And I met a man in a 100 Marathon Club T-shirt. And I said, I'd like one of those. And he said, yeah, you can have one, casually, you know, as we jogged along. And I went, I heard you had to do a little bit of hard work to get there. And he said, well, how many marathons have you done? And I said, well, this is my 17th. And he went, oh, we've all been there sometime. And then he just jogged away or ran away. And I just thought, that man didn't laugh me out of town. He didn't, he really believed that if I wanted to do it, I could do it. And uh, someone else in a marathon T-shirt at the time, a 100 marathon T-shirt, said to me, um, you know, more people have climbed Everest than have joined our club. Wow. And I found that really astonishing. And I was like, I want that T-shirt. So I set about doing it, started doing more and more marathons. And then in 2015, I did 25 marathons. And I wow. wanted it to coincide with the publication of my book, Your Pace or Mine. So Your Pace or Mine is about my, my, my road to 100 marathons. In the book, I haven't quite got there yet because it was published on the day that I ran my 100th. Amazing. So that's that's my story. And since then, I've done another 10. So I've done 108 marathons and two ultra marathons. That's absolutely incredible for someone who says that she doesn't enjoy running. That's quite a feat. 
It is actually, but I've found a way to enjoy it. And the main thing for me is talking to people because I've just met and made the most incredible friends um, through running. And even if I never see people again, people often share the most incredibly touching, heartwarming, inspiring stories. Very raw, isn't it? Those moments when people are absolutely broken and they just think, I can't do this. And all these people around me can't do it either. And there's something very bonding in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But also when you're running, you know, I'm a hypnotherapist and, you know, it's quite um, intimidating just looking into someone's eyes and talking to them. Mm. When you're running, you're not looking into someone's eyes, you're looking forward. So people will tell you things or I've told people things in marathons that I haven't told some of my closest friends. It's just kind of weird. You just feel so free. And sometimes it's just to help the person through a bad patch or to inspire them that you tell them these stories. I mean, that's why, you know, my book contains, it's not just my story. Your pace of mine is about the people I've met. Um, but every single one of them gave me permission because I was very aware you might regret it afterwards and think, I don't know why I told Lisa that and now I've just seen it in print. <laughs> so um, they've all given their full permission um, and was excited about being in the book. So I was really lucky that, you know, I had so many amazing stories to choose from. That's incredible. And to meet so many people and so many different stories, that's a big part of entering these events. There are a lot of people who enjoy just running on their own, but there are real benefits to actually working as part of a crowd. And I know you talk a lot um, and are renowned for talking about the fact that there's a lot of pressure put on runners often to look a certain way or run a certain way or dress a certain way. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you felt it was really important to break some of that down and actually just open up and give people permission to run as they want to run? Well, I think um, it was important to me because I felt excluded from the running community. You know, in South Africa, running is very competitive. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was born in South Africa and I spent 24 years there. And, um, you know, I don't know if this is true, but I was, I've been told that most marathons there have a four and a half hour cutoff. And then under that circumstance, I would never have ever have actually received a single medal. Um, and what I loved about the running community in England was obviously joining London. When I did London, it had no cutoff at all. So the man in the diving suit took two, two weeks to finish, you know. So I kind of thought I can probably, you know, in those days, like do a marathon in under two weeks. <laughs> um, and I just think that that atmosphere, you know, has encouraged a lot of people. The London Marathon atmosphere has encouraged a lot of people to run. But I kind of feel that's not open to everyone because not everyone wants to run a marathon. Um, and it's very difficult to get into London. So I think people need to be given permission that at any time, you know, you can just do your own thing. Um, look at the cutoff. Unfortunately, some races do have cutoffs. And that's it's been a stress for me because that's the first thing I look for in any race. I just look, is there a cutoff? Are they going to say we're going to kick you off the course and you're not going to get a medal. Because I don't mind the roads being reopened and running on the pavement, but I want to come home with a medal. I'm a very big bling collector. (laughs) Um, So I think my message, you know, is just there's room for everyone at the party. Obviously, we need the fast runners because they put in the time, they put in the effort, you know, but they're naturally talented as well. Um, And they, you know, draw the TV cameras or whatever it is. But imagine London Marathon and, and you know, they're done with very small numbers of people. It's not not the London Marathon without Mm. the 40,000 people behind the elites. Um, And I just want to keep talking about how anyone can do it. And, you know, even goals that are are quite lofty goals. I mean, doing comrades is like running from London to Brighton. It's really far. But someone like me, when I put my mind to it, I could get faster. So, but that's not how I want to live my life. I don't want to spend my life chasing times and trying to beat qualifying times for comrades. I just want to enjoy my running. So now my husband was ill for a a little while and um, I didn't do a lot of running and now I'm getting back into it. And I suddenly realized I'm really tired, like super exhausted. The emotional drain 
of seeing someone through terminal illness for four years. It's it's utterly draining. And I was going to, you know, do the Paris Marathon and try and, and get in before the cutoff, which is five hours 40. And I now realize I just don't have the it's fight okay. in me. I don't have the energy. I don't have the fight. And I don't have the fitness. And it's fine. I'm going to st- lend up on the start line. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to make friends. I'm going to help some people, pick them up and say, go. I can't finish today because I'm not fast enough, but you can. Go for it. And then just go and have a, a coffee in a pavement cafe. Um, so, you know, I realize what it's like to put pressure on yourself um, and how hard it can be. And sometimes it's really, really deeply not fun. And the fact is that running doesn't have to always be like that. So I say to people, you know, it's not just about chasing a time. Mm-hmm. You can rate a run and get a PB from most friends made, most scenery, you know, scenic scenery seen, most fun had. You can have PBs like that. They don't always have to, you know, relate to your watch. Do you time your runs? Do you know what your times are? So do you know if what well, after you've completed your next marathon, are you comparing it or do you just go out with no technology and run your own race? Do you know, um, I am terrible with technology and I actually bought a sports watch and I'm so frustrated. I will not mention the brand name, but um, they show you videos on how to use the watch. Now you can't use a watch outdoors while you're watching a video, right? So, uh, you know, the frustration level. Now I'm just thinking maybe I could do it on my phone. I haven't thought about that, but but there's no written instructions. So I actually don't like running with watches, but it is nice sometimes to know how far you've gone. Like if you've gone Mm. a lot further than you thought, um, it's quite nice to know. But really all this stuff about measuring your stats and all that. I do write down my marathon times and it's just funny to me to read it and go, my goodness, in those days I was able to run, you know, my PB is 4.38. Like, wow, you know, I was able to do that. Um, And then sometimes I go, my my personal worth is um, 10 hours and 40 minutes. Um, and it's like, wow. And I think, oh yeah, I remember why that was. I was the back sweeper. We had a blind runner with us. We had a runner who we had to wait for the ambulance to take her home. I mean, to me, it's just, it just brings back memories, but it's not, it's a story. It's not a, an, I don't compare the times, you know, to each other. It just isn't relevant to me. You know, the only times relevant is if there's a qualifier, like I had to qualify, um, for comrades and then it was very important to get the right time. Um, but that pressure, I didn't like running like that. I couldn't talk to anyone. I was doing maths in my head all the time. Now, maths was my worst subject at school. And to be doing constant, my sister called it monkey maths, maths because I, my watch didn't go off in the Civil um, Olympic Stadium. I don't know what happened. It just didn't. So I had to do all my calculations mentally with, um, you know, my sister's wristwatch. Uh, it was just it was just not the way I want to run. I mean, just boring, um, very complicated and pressurized. And I, I just feel... In my life, I do a lot of different jobs. I'm a hypnotherapist, a hypnobirthing teacher, a writer, a columnist, an editor, a wedding celebrant. And I've got to juggle all those things and perform at my best in every single one of those jobs. When I'm running, I do not want to be performing. Sure. I just want to be having fun and flopping around and running like Phoebe and friends. Like mm-hmm. I really you know, just want to have fun and relax. I don't want timing and technology taking over my runs and your attitude has been really needed I think it's a lot of women will look women I think especially women who maybe come to running later who didn't run in their teens Mm. and didn't run in school and didn't feel like the fit person that their face didn't fit within that scene I think it's really important that they hear that message that actually it's really tough when you start and it's okay that it's really tough and you know you're not going to be able to run your first 5k without stopping and you don't have to like no one says you have to do that and I think that message is so important to get out there alongside all of the you do your best get your PB chase it down you know you've got it in you what would you say to someone who 
has never run a mile, but thinks, do you know what? It's really handy. You can pull, like you say, you can pull your trainers on. It doesn't cost very much money. You go when you're ready to go. What would you say to that woman who's thinking, oh, I just, I don't think that's me. I don't think I'll be able to do it. Where, where should someone start? Um, well, I do think walk running is is the answer. So the Couch to 5K does that for you. That's an app. Mm. And, you know, I'm not a kind of app person. Like, I'm really not. Um, so I actually just think time yourself um, and go for – we. Uh, my book, Running Made Easy, that was the first running book I wrote. Um, it just talked about 60 seconds of running at a time, and then you rest by walking for three minutes, and you just swap that back and forth for 16 minutes. That's your first run done. Um, and it's just 60 seconds. It's still long. Don't get me wrong. It's long. I'm telling you, you go from standing start – I always find that something else good to bear in mind is the toxic 10 minutes. So the first 10 minutes of every run is horrendous. Awful. That first mile for me, I'm just, and you feel like you're going to have a heart attack. Absolutely. Why why can't my legs remember how to do this? And then it slowly gets easier. It does. And I always think I've got asthma. I've got a sudden fear that I suddenly can't breathe and all that. And just knowing, okay, I look at my watch. That's the time. Only time I really look at my watch, I think I'm feeling dreadful. Like, oh my God. And then I look and I go, has 10 minutes passed yet? And the answer is no, it hasn't. And then it's like, okay, it's fine. If I'm feeling like that after 10 minutes, then I'll start to worry. Mm. But you see, 10 minutes is a very long time for someone who isn't fit. So that's why, you know, it's really important to just break it right down into really small chunks. Like 60 seconds is plenty. If you want to break it down to 30 seconds, do the 30 seconds. But a lot of people have this attitude that walking is failing. Like if you had to walk, then you failed, you know, you've given up. It's not. It's still moving in the right direction. So, you know, when I was training for comrades, I had an amazing coach in South Africa. I didn't pay him, but he just sent me lots of inspirational stuff. And it was walk with pride and purpose. You do not window shop walk. You don't amble along, you know, looking around you. You walk. When you're walking, you walk. And you walk with pride and purpose. And then when you run, you know, you run. And then you don't have to get stressed when you're running. You're just, you're just running. Um, and... I think just alternating the two, it's almost like having two pairs of legs. So your running legs use different muscles when you run. Your legs use different muscles when you're running compared to walking. So this just gives you literally more endurance right from the word go by doing walk running. Adding up the maths, like saying, oh, I've got to time my 60 seconds, it stops you thinking, oh, I can't breathe and I'm having a heart attack. Mm. You really are concentrating on something else. Um, and before you know it, you know, you build this up and your walk breaks become shorter and your running becomes longer. And you know what? You never have to give up walk running. I mean, if you want to carry on doing it, and I've done that for most of my marathons, if you want to do it for the rest of your life, you can do it like that. Or you can say, okay, I'll set myself the challenge of running the whole way. But when I've done that, I haven't necessarily been faster by running the whole way. Okay. And the recovery has been much more difficult. Like really, really severe hip pain, knee pain for weeks afterwards running the whole way. And yet with walk running, uh, my recovery time sometimes is the same day. Okay, but that was when I was doing a lot of marathons. But in a normal time, and I'm maybe doing two marathons a year or three, it was three days compared to three weeks. Wow. That's a lot less time to be in discomfort. So do you still do that now? Do you still imp- integrate your walking and running in your Absolutely. runs now? Okay. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you can just do it to how you feel. Like I've started running now every day. I'm, I'm not doing Red January, but I am – I don't like to do these things officially just in case I skip a day and then I feel yeah. terrible. So I just go, I'm not doing it, but actually I am secretly doing it. It's the same with dry January. Then someone said, do you want a drink? It's like, uh, Maybe it's the first time you've come to my new home in Worthing. Yes, okay, well, I'll <laughs> well, have a drink, but I'll do dry January the rest of the time. And I think it's still nice. 
Like, you know, instead of saying, well, now you've broken it, you might mm. as well drink for the rest of January. It's like, no, I had one day, a special friend came down. Yeah, we had cover. Okay, fine. But then tomorrow it's back to dry January. Um, so with running um, every day, I've been running to hot yoga. That's my new passion. And sea swimming is my other new passion because I've just moved to Worthing. And I ran down. And the other night I was running there and I just suddenly felt dreadful. It was just like my legs felt like I had two logs. It was past the 10 minutes and I was still feeling lousy. And I just thought, look, you've got to get yoga. I'm not going to just sit down on the pavement yeah. crying, you know. So I just carried on walking and I just, I was really proud of myself. And then weirdly after the hot yoga, I think maybe my muscles warmed up or whatever and then I ran home. So, you know, and that's the thing of giving yourself permission. Listen to your body, you know. No one's there whipping you. And most people, they're much harder on themselves than they would be Absolutely. on anyone else. I mean, if it was your friend and she was struggling, you wouldn't say, no, you're a total failure if you start walking up, yeah, you know, so you're a loser. loser. That inner critic. You know, you wouldn't. You, you would just say, come on, don't worry, you can do it. Let's walk for a bit. Mm. And um, in the Paris Marathon, um, this was my fifth marathon, my friend came over from Canada. She was a school friend from South Africa, but she now lives in Canada. And she came to do the marathon and she just had a terrible time, like halfway through. And she said, oh, I think I need to walk and I think I need to stretch. And I said, we'll stretch. And she said, Am I allowed to? So who do you think is going to stop you stretching in the middle of Paris? Like, for goodness sake, go find a tree. So she did that. And then we tried to get back into walk running the program we'd set ourselves. And she couldn't do it. She said to me, I'm just going to walk the whole way. And I just said to her, trust me, you don't want to walk the whole way. It's a long way. That time on your feet is just too long. I said, we're going to run again, but we don't have to do it now. So let's skip out some of the sections we were going to run. Carry on walking, but we're still going in the right direction. We're still heading for the finish line. And she did that. She recovered. She felt better. And we ran again. And we didn't run the whole way again. Obviously, we did our walk running again. But I just think people really um, kind of had these really high expectations of themselves. And they don't listen to their body. They don't listen to how they're feeling. And then running becomes even harder than it needs to be. You know, running to me is never easy. So the fact I wrote a book called Running Made Easy, by the way, I did not choose the title. <laughs> I would have called it Running Made Easier. Because it's not easy. It just isn't easy for me. I've met people for whom it's easy, and I really envy them. But it's not easy for me. Yeah, I'm one of those people as well. You've got to fight for every moment. Exactly. And you're every step. talking to yourself all the way through yeah. and trying to tell yourself you can do it. But I think Absolutely. it's really interesting that we really put ourselves in boxes, don't we? And it's either you're either someone who does this or you're someone who does that, or I'm either going to run it all or I'm going to walk it all. Yes. And we really struggle to allow ourselves to flex between yeah. two different camps and actually just do what feels natural in the moment. So I absolutely agree with you. And that's this kind of labels. You know, what I like now, I talked about in my book, I talked about, you know, the delicatessen, the fitness delicatessen. And I just didn't realize that a person like me could just walk in there and go, oh, triathlon. I've never done that before. I think I'll just reach up and grab that jar and have one of those, please. And then you do it. And then you realize, okay, I'll do another one. And, and for a season, I was a big keen triathlon person. And then I just thought, no, I don't like the bike. It's too much effort, to, you know, carrying, getting it there and <laughs> hooking it up to our car trailer and all the technical stuff with the spanners and stuff. So I just, you know, I said, okay, I've done it and I don't want to do it anymore. Um, long distance walking. I ran, sorry, I walked uh, the Nijmegen marches in um, wow. the Netherlands. That's 40 kilometers a day for four days. I mean, by the end, I had blisters the size of fried eggs on my feet. I was sobbing my eyes out. It was only a woman who'd been in the army who just took control of me. She didn't support <laughs> me. She controlled me and forced me to the finish. She just went, take your shoes off now. Change your socks now. Take your paracetamol now. March, you know, left, 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 right, left. So long distance walking. I took it out of the delicatessen. I tried it. It's not really for me. You know, it's too much agony. Mm. It's too far. I find it too slow. The scenery doesn't change fast enough. 
And that's the thing. You can mix it up and you can just choose throughout life. I mean, now I've decided to become a winter sea swimmer. So I'm now going in. There's frost on the cars. I'm the kind of woman who doesn't take my clothes off in a changing room likely in winter. I don't even like changing into my pajamas because I get so cold. And I walked into the sea on the full moon and we howled at the moon together and then we went back and had a beach party. Now, that's something I've just become a sea swimmer now. I'm 54 years old. And that's what I think is the wonderful thing about being active. You know, you can choose tomorrow I'm going to become, I haven't done this yet, stand-up paddleboarder. I could become a kayaker. And you can mix these things all together. And you can have sports where you, you know, there's that sport. I can't remember what it's called now, but you it started in a toya and you kind of, you run and then you jump in the sea and then you swim around and then you jump okay. out. I mean, why not? You know, these are just fantastic, interesting things to do. And the scenery you're going to see um, is just spectacular. And I think people do pigeonhole themselves. And they go, I'm a cyclist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a runner. Well, why? Well, there's a rich variety, isn't there? So why wouldn't you give everything a go? Absolutely. And I think if you're not trying to become the best at everything, no. then it gives you that permission to say, well, it doesn't matter if I'm not very good at it. I just won't do it anymore. If I don't enjoy yeah. it, I just no. won't do it anymore. Absolutely. And, you know, it's really fun to say you've done it. I mean, I don't regret any of the things I'm not doing anymore because I just think, well, that needs space in my diary to try something else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've spoken, of, uh, you've mentioned a few of your books. Do you want to just let people know where they can find you on social media, what your book titles are, where they can get them? I'm sure people will be interested to hear more about your journey. Oh, well, thank you. So my first book was Running Made Easy, and that's got um, stories of people who, you know, running has changed their lives, but also this fantastic program, a 10-week program. It's a real fill-in book, lots of colorful illustrations, if you get the second edition, actually, um, cartoons and things like that, and just really fun, interactive, bright and cheerful. When you open it, you're going to feel happy. Um, so that was my first book. That sold over 110,000 copies. Wow. So that was a real, you know, triumph, and that's how I became a running writer. So I was really unbelievable that so many people responded to well to that book um, and then I've also written Your Pace or Mine um, which is the story of how I, I got to 100 marathons and that obviously features a lot of other interesting people like a, an 80 year old marathon runner you know the 2-2 brigade cancer survivors I mean just amazing stories of amazing people um, and then I've also written two travel books so they've got chapters on running the one's called Travel Seekness so S-E-E-K-N-E-S-S so it's Lisa Jackson and Graham Williams, because that's my husband's name, and a second one called Travel Agents, which is the second memoir of all our travels, but there's obviously lots of running thrown in because uh, I've run in 22 different countries. So I've got a lot of uh, tales to tell from running in foreign countries. Um, I've also written a book on stopping smoking um, using hypnosis because I'm a hypnotherapist, so that's called Quit Forever. Um, so, And I've written another book called Adore Yourself Slim, which is about healthy eating and hypnosis. So I've got a, hand, a range of books um, to read. got all bases um, covered. I've got all bases covered, <laughs> yes. And my next book um, is going to be about running and it's going to be how I got through my husband's illness and got back into running called Mojo Go Go. Um, you know, I haven't got a publisher yet, but I'm really hoping I'll find one um, because it's a really interesting thing. I had a kind of epiphany when he was ill that running will be my salvation. And it did get me through four years of of illness and we you know we ran two half marathons together we went and saw the northern lights and ran a 10k you know in the snow in january for our wedding anniversary our 29th wedding anniversary 
Um, so, you know, running has paid, although my husband hates running more than me, um, he, it's, he did 27 marathons and, and including two ultra marathons. So, um, you know, it was a special part of our lives, even though we both sort of railed against it. And a friend of ours welcomed us at Prague airport for the Prague marathon with a sign saying, welcome running haters. Um, yeah, it was, it was just the sweetest thing in the world. Um, running actually was precious to us. And my husband actually said to me, well, he wouldn't have been diagnosed if he hadn't been running because he went out running and he couldn't run to the end of the street. And he came wow. back and he said, I'm really breathless. And I said, yeah, that's because you never train. And he said, no, this is different. And so that's how I found out he had lung cancer. Um, so it was a very special part of our marriage, even though he would have, you know, almost denied it to the end. And at the end, yeah. he kind of said, you know what, I'm glad you forced me. Yeah. And all the memories you now have. Absolutely. I mean, I've got, you know, his medals and the, you know, the, I just remember, you know, we used to do comrades training together and we'd spend the whole Sunday running. Our neighbors would be ordering in pizza. I just remember seeing these huge pizza boxes arriving for our neighbors and we'd be getting out in the cold and going, Oh my God, we're going to now be running for like six, seven hours today, you know? And then we'd come home and we'd make big, huge mugs of tea and we'd lie on the fluffy carpet in front of the television and watch like coach trip doing our stretches and just moaning about how terrible it all was. <laughs> how hard it was and how much we hated it all you know and it was just those, those really special memories together um, together exactly to share that experience yeah. well thank you so much for being so open and so vulnerable it's oh, your journey oh, is incredible so and i think it'll really inspire a lot of people so thank you so much for I talking to so. us today we hope you enjoyed our conversation with lisa don't forget you can get 10 percent off her book your pace or mine with the code lisa at shop.outsideandactive.com and you have until the 25th of March to enter our competition with our friends at Dry Robe to win a Dry Robe advance. Visit outsideandactive.com forward slash dry robe hyphen competition. Until next time, enjoy the outside.